Paul, thanks for coming on. We've been looking forward to this one. I know you know Alex very well and worked with Alex quite closely over the years, but we only met on a pre-interview recently and that, that was great fun, to say the least. And actually, glad we weren't recording for the last 10 minutes because we had a bit of a, a laugh <laughs> setting this one up. Anyway, try and get back to the job at hand. Uh, welcome to the show, first off. Thank you. The first thing we always do with guests is just trying to get to know a bit about their background and and ask for a bit of a whistle-stop tour of your career, really. So, so tell us a bit more about you. Sure. So I'm Paul Callahan. I'm the Head of Client Solutions here at Metagedu Apprenticeships. Um, my background has been for the last 10 years uh, within the apprenticeship space. Uh, and prior to that, I was in mainstream recruitment. So working for a lot of the the, the high street nationals um, in a regional um, business development role. So... Career has been very much engaging with human resources, learning and development, and quite interesting to see how that's the faces of that has changed over the the many many years I've been in recruitment. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons we really wanted you on. Obviously, Alex was the was the person that contacted you originally. You know, Alex, um, but the fact that you kind of bridged this gap between L and D and apprenticeships and and even recruitment in that kind of triangle really is interesting to us. So, tell us a little bit about where you're at now. What 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 it is you do now. I'm, as mentioned, head of client solutions for Metagedu. So Metagedu are a very new apprenticeship provision uh, within the, within the space. Um, and my role here is to really grow and develop the client solutions team, and um, and take the apprenticeship proposition to market. Um, but I think, as as with anything, um, the apprenticeship space is changing so much. So it's really to to learn a little bit more about what clients really want from apprenticeships and what they think they know about apprenticeships, what they don't know about apprenticeships. So it's really changing the face of apprenticeships is what the Metagedu vision and strategy really is. And then day-to-day role? Day-to-day role, um, managing a team is getting a strategy, looking at client needs and where we can add value, not just to the customers, but to the apprenticeships. I think you know, there's there's two people, uh, two, two different types of people within the the partnership or relationship that training providers have, and so for a provider, for us, it's equally as important that the apprentices get the same great service that our clients do. But really, getting under the skin and being solutions um, orientated, I think the 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 clue is in my title uh, around client solutions, and um, it is good to go out and business develop. But I think customers and apprentices want a lot more than that and um, working with alex and, and 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 individuals like him to to understand the the changing face of uh, of the apprenticeship market and um, every client's need is different and that's why i thought you'd be an excellent guest really because I, I think we hear so many misconceptions about apprenticeships from others in lnd um and I thought you, you you're always very honest, so you'll give us an honest appraisal of you know what they are and and really kind of when they're most effective as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's so many different categories of of, of clients and and business when it comes to apprenticeships. And um, I've worked with some amazing L and D individuals over the year that really years that really get it and really understand. Um, the huge part that apprenticeships and apprentices play in in any business, um, and then you've got in some clients that think they know, and um, and 
don't really look at anything other than what they're used to. So it's the the old adage of do what you've always done, get what you've always got, and not really wanting to explore any further around the different services that really good apprenticeship training providers can provide businesses. Um, Others have absolutely no idea, just know that there's an apprenticeship levy. And it's only when the finance director suddenly realise it's not being used that they suddenly think they need to do something about it. Um, And, you know, there's businesses that are just still, you know, not very receptive to uh, apprentices and look at the old, you know, the graduate schemes, um, traditional recruitment means. Um, so there's a lot of camps. So there's a lot of, you know, within the client solutions team, there's a lot of people that, you know, we've got to to convince sometimes that apprenticeships are the right thing to to be doing. Right. And just for the benefit of, of some listeners, you mentioned the apprenticeship levy there, you know, and in case anyone's abroad as well, what is the apprenticeship levy and, and, and how, do, how do people access it or how do companies access it? The apprenticeship levy uh, was a, a, a levy that was introduced, I want to say, in 2016. 17 by the then, the then Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne. And it's a it's a tax that's offset against a salary bill, in short. Um, Organisations that have a £3 million salary bill or more would pay a 0.5% tax on that. Um, and those funds are, are, are put away in a digital apprenticeship account um, and can be offset against apprenticeship training. Um, those individuals that don't, um, the government contribute 95% of the the funding for apprenticeships. So each apprenticeship that, and there's several out there. I mean, I think if you, the number one on the Institute of Apprenticeships at Abattoir Worker, and I think goes right through to Z. And I think I I was looking the other day and I want to say 800, check that for me, please. But I think there's something, you know, a ridiculous number of of apprentices out there or apprenticeships out there. so, and you can offset, and each individual apprenticeship program has a different funding band. Um, so that's really what it is. It's 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 a free form of of money, if you like, uh, for organisations to use to 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 recruit um, young talent into their business, recruit career changers into their business, and um, even upskill existing employees. Um, and I, again, I don't think uh, a lot of businesses know the the benefits of the apprenticeship levy. And with a lot of things, a lot of organisations think, oh, it's 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 funding, it's government related. They go onto the website, or oh, too much red tape, and automatically want to shy away from it. It's actually really, really simple to set up a, a digital apprenticeship account, and um, and your training provider should be able to help with that. For, for, from the get-go uh, but it's very very simple to do i think you've got two things here haven't you? i mean you should actually mention uh, we probably mentioned this to you before but um alex and i actually produced i think it was 87 pieces of content wasn't it alex on a day's filming at dragon's den like mm-hmm. but we had a lot of people in influences if you like from the apprenticeship world and that really was to to help educate people about what the, the levy was and how you go about it and how best to utilize it etc um and we to this day, I'm still baffled as to why that hasn't, well, it hasn't kick-started um, apprenticeships. If anything, apprenticeships have gone down since then. What are some of the issues around apprenticeships and, and maybe expand even on the levy? What You mentioned there that the complicate or, or the perceived complication of, of, of getting a digital apprenticeship account. 
What, what, what is the reticence behind apprenticeships and using the levy, I guess? I think it goes back to tradition. I think, you know, a lot of businesses are immersed in tradition and they, you know, as I touched on earlier on, they, they, they've always recruited in a, a, a particular way. Um, and therefore, why change? Why reinvent the wheel? Um, and I think that it's just basically understanding. In my experience, when businesses get it, they get it. And it snowballs and it's fantastic. And they might start off with one and twos. But, you know, with the right training provider, I can guarantee that at the end of it, they'll have, you know, a number of apprentices in various different disciplines. Um, And I think, uh, again, if you've always been an individual that has potentially gone down, dare I say, the graduate route. And, you know, I'm not looking um, degrees at all degree apprenticeships are available Um, and, you know, degrees are right in certain roles and apprenticeships aren't right for, you know, a lot of people. Um, But I think historically it's you go out, you do your meal grounds, you find your apprentice, you graduate, beg your pardon, and then they join your business. Whereas I think with the apprenticeships, they, they feel that there's the younger element of it. So you can hire an apprentice at 16. And um, so they could be fearful of emotional intelligence uh, or work ethic. We have a number of uh, apprentices in our in our business here. Um, and I've placed a number of apprentices, 16 to 18, and their their passion and their desire and their attitude to work blows you away. And um, so I think they tend to pigeonhole. Um, and it's a bit, a bit scared of the unknown, really. Um, and again, it's the element of wanting people to have a degree. I've been in recruitment a long time. So when I when I was in it in, in the start of my career, I'm not going to give the game away, but the start of my career, people recruited. And then it became completely on vogue to recruit graduates for absolutely everything. So you'd end up speaking to to, to HR and they would be looking for individuals and they must have a degree. Um, and it always blew me away even then that why somebody would go to do a degree and then work in a job where they wouldn't actually necessarily util- utilise that degree. And again, I think a lot of it was to do with the, the kind of the emotional intelligence. But I think you need to embrace young people and the passion and the enthusiasm and the great ideas uh, that they bring. And um, I've got my, my own team, my own client solutions team is is various different ages um, and the younger people in the team bring some great ideas and we go away going wow we never actually thought of that and um, so I think it's just being scared of the unknown Nathan really more, uh, more than anything else and um, and just the idea of it's the support that's needed and um, which I always find strange because surely anybody that starts a business needs support anybody that starts a business needs a really good induction and 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 regular reviews and regular appraisals so I don't see why that would be any different and or why apprentices should be any different. That should be part of any reasonably decent organisation should be looking after their people. Um, but again, I think there's the, the potentially the pastoral care that could potentially put them off. But again, with the with, with the right training provider and the, and the great skills coaches um, and success coaches out there, um, it should just be a, 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 a really great partnership and a really great journey for everyone. Do some believe... It's really only those kind of trades like, I don't know, building or carpentry. Is that still a problem that, that perhaps people don't realise there are these 800 standards? Do people realise there's so much out there? Uh, no. 
um, is, is, is the simple answer to that. I think it's really interesting. I've dealt with some organisations that have a number of apprentices in what you class as the biblical trades um, and or, or engineering or car mechanics. You can absolutely, but have no potentially idea that they can have apprentices within data or business and finance or professional services. Um, and that's always quite interesting uh, when they realise that they can use the levy for training those apprentices. Or indeed, if you haven't got a levy, what a great way to find talent as they grow with your business. In my experience, apprentices tend to be a lot more loyal than potentially individuals that have experience. It came up with the chat Alex and I had with, with um, the guest last week, Reese Davis at Tilbury Douglas, didn't it, um, Alex? Yes, yeah, yeah. They, they've they've got a variety of schemes on the go, and um, just the uh, passion he had around you know bringing young people through, really. And yeah. I think it's something you shared in the pre-interview, Paul, around the I guess the ethical use of apprenticeships or the appropriate use of apprenticeships, should I say, be more focused on giving young op- people opportunities rather than being solely focused on on upskilling those that already have a career. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with with that. You, you know, my, my team go out and speak to businesses around how to use their levy. And that is an area that you can use your levy in. But I think 47%, and again, sorry, Alex, <laughs> check this for me. But I think 47% of apprentices that were actually signed up um, last year were existing members of staff in nicely paid jobs and um, and so you know there's an awful lot of businesses that are using the levy to upskill existing people rather than actually looking and thinking well we should be doing our bit for want of a better um, expression for the young people within our communities and um, you know if you're looking at you know organizations large organizations in 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 city centers and there's a number of, you know, surrounding areas that really, you know, have areas where going to university is really not an option. And again, one of the one of the things that we talk to businesses about is social values and their social value strategy. And it's really quite interesting to find out that they they have one, but they're not really sure what it is or they don't have one and they don't know what it is. And um, not all companies, some are, are, are spot on with it and they have some 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 fantastic um, social value pieces. But again, I think in, in, in the climate that we find ourselves in more than ever with the uh, cost of living crisis, etc., there's, there's there's some challenges for, 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 for parents who are thinking, how are we going to be able to support our children going through university over the next three or four years? So I think that, again, businesses tick a lot of boxes when it comes to apprentices, boxes that they probably don't even realise that they're actually going to be ticking. I'll, uh, I'll chime in with a few of the stats there, actually. So, Thank you. Um, I I've got them yeah, right. 830 standards, so I think you're pretty close oh, to that. From a car worker through to youth worker. Um, and almost half of employers have used levy funding uh, for training younger people aged 16 to 25, and it's actually 47% use it to train new starters and 27% used it for upskilling. Um, but probably the most glaring stat here on this page is that the apprenticeship levy paying employers are only using an average of 55% of the available funds, which kind of brings us on to that you know, next question in terms of you know, who you work with within organizations, whether it be the business owners, you know, operations managers, or HR generalists, or, or L&D leaders. You mentioned in the pre-interview that 
sometimes working directly with L and D can can be a little bit more difficult than the other areas and understand, you know, like to understand basically the reasons behind that or where those difficulties arise really. If I look back over the, the, the years that I've been within the apprenticeship space, um, some of our biggest successes have actually been going directly to the end user, for want of a better phrase. Um, so individuals that are going to actually benefit from the apprentice being in their team. And I always find it, you know, L&Ds sometimes, are, and I found this in the recruitment space, they they decide on a lot of things but it doesn't actually directly affect them. So it doesn't affect their department's productivity or their department's retention or their, de- their department's um, overall demographics. And they look at it at more of a, 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 of a top level. Um, so that's an interesting question, Alex. I think it's, it's about making sure that you're getting the message right. And it's trying to understand what the pain points and the business challenges are of, of organisations or not necessarily organisations, but departments. You have some departments that run smoothly, no hiccups, no issues, and it's fantastic. And then there's another part of the business on a different floor that that, that is struggling for one reason or another. So it's trying to understand what their pain points are, what their challenges are. And then aligning the benefits of having an apprentice or using apprentices in those spaces, because they, again, you know, they, they're proven to resolve a lot of the challenges that people have. Um, skill shortages, retention, boosting productivity. And there's a pretty endless list here. You don't have to name the company, of course, Company X. Give us an idea of a, a case study, success story, where perhaps you've got into an organisation that aren't even using their levy or or really don't see the value in apprenticeships, et cetera. How, how, how have you taken them through a journey where they've been able to sort of culturally change and take this on and, and, and perhaps even seeing the benefits already? I think it's to involve. I, I think that's uh, one of the um, most successful clients springs to mind um, was a, a very well-known organisation based in, in central London. Um, and the end user uh, was a massive advocate and the the client solutions partner hit out at the right time and got them at the right time and got that call. Again, all, all, all credit to the client solutions partner. They're engaging. They know what they're talking about. They know they ask the right questions, and um, and there was some resistance. There was some resistance from the from, from, from the learning and development team. But this department head was absolutely hell bent on using apprentices because he thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, he was doing it from a social values point of view. Um, and was a real advocate and um, we ran assessment days we still do assessment days I think it's really important that everybody's involved and the L&D team came along and were simply blown away by the talent I think and the attitude and I think you just a lot of times you know you're talking to people that potentially have this age group at home so they kind of relate to <laughs> actually you know what <laughs> I've got a couple of those at home. I'm not sure I necessarily want them in the business. And like, we all know <laughs> exactly. We all know people are very different when they get home to what they are in the workplace. Um, but they were blown away by their passion, blown away by their enthusiasm, blown away by their knowledge. You know, they were really these people really want a career in in this in in this in in this job because that's what it's about. It's about earning and learning and and building on that career. Um, they hired one individual and within three months, we'd had a telephone call to say they'd like another couple in the department. And it snowballed and snowballed 
till in the end, the, the department was recruiting half and half, half graduates, half apprentices. Yeah. And they were really almost struggling to find a differentiator. Really? And it ended up that I, I remember being introduced to the, the new apprenticeship manager who worked in the L&D team. So the, the L&D team were great champions of it in the end. Um, and it wasn't a slow burn, you know, initially from the from the initial conversation through to actually getting, uh, you know, apprentices within, you know, double digits uh, didn't take a long time because I think everybody was on the same, you know, hymn sheet for, for want of a better phrase. But I think it is understanding. And I think if you've got somebody in your business that really champions it and is really passionate about it, I think people tend to get on board a little bit more rather than have this mm. training provider telling you you should be doing it. It's always helpful if you've got somebody else internally that's banging the banging the drum as well. That was kind of my next question, really, was was what do you think are the ideal conditions then for this to flourish? Where have you seen it really work? And perhaps where, where you see it not work? and and Maybe where apprenticeships aren't the answer. Yeah, and 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 as as touched on earlier, then they're not right for everybody, and they're not right for every business. I think the, the most important thing is to understand the role that the employer plays in the journey. Apprentices need support, irrespective of whether you're taking on a, a, a school leaver at sixteen years of age or a career changer, uh, who you know, or a parent returning to work who worked in a different field and thought, you know, what I've always wanted to work in data uh, i always wanted to to work in marketing and um, apprentices or apprenticeships allow you to do that but i think for us it's you know yes the levy's there but that is not the reason to hire apprentices because it's it's a, a, an economical way to 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 train and develop and recruit people that's they're not the kind of organizations that certainly from from a metagedu point of view we would want to engage with because it's a journey and and as i say anybody that starts a business i'm sure l and d and hr are looking at them thinking there's going to be some longevity there and not thinking that they're going to leave within 12 months and um, but you know in most cases minimum apprenticeship you can argue is 13 months but in reality it's 15 months uh, and they can go on to you know 24 24 and then in the trades 48 months um so i think they've got to understand the commitment and that's the most important part they need support it's giving them the time that they need and um, the six hour off the job training is always a is always a challenge but again work with the right training provider and they will let you know that actually it's 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 not the fact that somebody's going to be away from the business for 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 a day and um, but if it is, in some cases, it might be, it is. And if that's a challenge for businesses and it's, you know, they can't give the learner the time they need, then apprentices aren't right. And you really shouldn't be engaging um, because that's just that's just setting everyone up to fail. But it's giving them the time, giving them the support um, that they need and understanding the role that they play. But they're, they're young adults. They don't want to be treated like, you know... Some clients over the years have said, "So, what, what do we do with them?" And I, well, you know, two o'clock, it stops. It's story time. It's a bottle of milk. <laughs> what do you do with them? You treat them like everybody else within your within your team. Yes, there's safeguarding uh, elements when you're looking at um, your sixteen to eighteen year olds, but actually, you just treat them like everybody else. They're there to work. They want to build a career, um, and for them, they're the lucky ones. They're getting additional qualifications, additional learning along the way. 
Alex, this really sort of ties in a couple of conversations we've had recently, Ian Bond and the use of funding for progressional purposes. And Mm. even when we spoke to Rhys Davis at Tilbury Douglas, the way that he looked at apprenticeships, probably worth Mm -hmm. exploring a bit of that. You know, this kind of idea of using funding to to bring people on. It's not just a one hit. No, no. And there's obviously apprenticeships, but then there's, you know, boot camp funding. You know, there's a there's a variation of apprenticeships coming with you know they're talking about accelerated apprenticeships or shortened apprenticeships. I'll come on to my next question actually because I, I wanted to ask a question around how L and D leaders should approach the selection of providers because from what I see, you might get an odd post on LinkedIn and they'll get absolutely swamped, you know, with with business development teams from providers and because of the way apprenticeships were funded previously within frameworks and things that i find the approach of a lot of trained providers to be quite old school mm-hmm. you know then they'll come they'll look for staff and they just want people that'll hit the phones and and really kind of you know batter D leaders and hr specialists with with requests for whether they'll want to take up apprenticeships you know how do you think companies should go about selecting providers i think it's about understanding the business my team will research a specific sector, will research stats. And so when they're either emailing or they're having those conversations with individuals, there's something within that conversation that resonates with them rather than the, have you heard about the apprenticeship levy? It's free money, yada, yada, yada. It's really to understand what the client would need in that apprenticeship space if they don't have it already. And we touched on this earlier, I think around one of my teams was saying that they're speaking and they're saying, well, we're, we're, we're happy with the training providers we've got at the moment or we're using at the moment. It's like, how do you know? How, how, how do you know you're happy? Have you really sat down and thought about what they're doing and what they could be doing and what they're not doing? And, and that's what we want to be. We want to be that solution. We want to look at the, the the challenges that they have now and what those challenges look like in three or four years time and we know that there are apprenticeships that will be that are being delivered will that will be being delivered in probably six seven eight years time where the jobs don't even exist at the moment because of the changing face of of uh, of the world of certainly of the world of t- technology and data and, and and that type of thing so i think um it's really understanding what they need and it, it might not necessarily be going straight to L&D uh, it might be actually going and speaking to the head of accountancy and finance the head of data the the head of IT to to understand what, what it is that they need but looking at it a lot in in a lot more detail and 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 just going that extra step because I think that for us it's not just a matter of just giving them the standard program it's working with them to ensure that the program is fit for purpose but equally, as I touched on earlier on, it's really important that the learner is getting the learning and the experience and the qualifications that they need to go on and build their career. Because in an ideal world, we'd love them to stay within their organisations for 10 or 15 years. In reality, we know that's not going to happen. Then they're going to want to take their qualification and their learning uh, w- with them elsewhere. And in the right organisation, they will they will um you know they will flourish and uh, again i think we haven't touched on this but you know you start you've got a, a, everything from a level two to a level seven in an apprenticeship so what a great way for a business to develop their people and retain their people and and organically grow them you know you start somebody off on a, a level three and then they progress upwards and upwards and upwards and come away with a, a master's with absolutely no student debt 
progressed and pro- promoted um, throughout their journey and are in a very, very, very good position. And, and interesting what you're saying earlier about this idea that youngsters in particular, you know, that, that don't go to uh, university, there is a real viable option out there now, isn't there? To, to I mean, I, I'm having these chats at the moment. I've got two daughters, 16 and, 16 and 18. My 18 year old's kind of had a gap year. Although well, she hasn't done much with it, put it that way. <laughs> um, she is going to uni, hopefully Swansea. Um, but, you know, with my youngest, very bright, you know, she'll get three A-levels and she'll get decent grades. But for the first time I'm talking about, um, maybe getting into somewhere that does mm-hmm. some kind of graduate apprenticeship scheme. I saw it work really well with an old client of ours, Nissan. They were bringing people through, day release for uni. And, you know, after four years, these people were... 22 net knew the whole network knew the company that you know versus a new starter who's a graduate coming out and, and doesn't even know how to really use the phone mm. so um i'm hoping this is a more viable option but i mean isn't your job often a cultural change first you know rather than just saying as you keep saying you know you can't just go in and say you're going to need to do this and whatever is it the cultural piece that you have to go in and do first yeah, it, it, right across the board, actually, um, with the apprentice, the apprentices influencers, because as you've as, as you've rightly said, Nathan, you know you have children that are going to go to university. Alex, it won't be long before your little ones probably. Oh. <laughs> he is six. <laughs> he's six, but uh, you know you talk about those thoughts. But actually, I think by the time he's a school leaver, I, I just think the the landscape will be completely different. I mean, even the overlap now between you know, university training providers, employer providers, the world of work, I think it'll be completely different to what it is now. And and I was one of those people that was funneled into a degree that I, you know, don't use now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and so many, so, so many people do, you know, degrees are there, you know, and they're, they're right for a lot of, a, a lot of roles uh, and for a lot of people. But the, the cultural thing, I think, changes. It's the it's almost like the stigma of mm. you have to go to university. Mm. It's not up for negotiation. Um, and again, in, 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 in my own family, I've got a, um, a nephew that's doing brilliantly well um, in Bristol. Um, and I've got a niece that's smashing it, doing an AAT level four in an accountancy. And there's, there's, they're, they're going to have great careers, um, and you know, will do very, very well for themselves. And um, the family embraced my niece doing her apprenticeship, and um, the same way as they've embraced my nephew doing his degree. You do build, you know, emotionally. Emotional intelligence is very important. How you, you, you know, you start to grow as a, as a, as a professional adult is really important but in the right company with the right support and the right team environment you can do that in the workplace not get saddled with debt and get the qualification that you that you want so yeah I I think you're right Nathan there's a whole culture bit and you know Alex touched on it hopefully in in five years time it will be the norm to look at apprentices way before you look at graduates Mind you, this is the uh, world of funded, right? I mean, do, do things actually move that quickly? 20 years is nothing. You know, wow. we might just be growing out of standards by then into something. <laughs> well, hopefully we've chipped away at the three billion pound levy pot that is unspent, which is a when you think about the challenges and you watch the news and it's, you know, there's a, a shortage of a skill shortage right across every single area. And again, you know, you, you if you look at logistics and you look at, 
roles that you wouldn't necessarily think apprentices would fit in or you could do an apprenticeship and get a qualification in. You know, we, as a country, and obviously you can only use the levy in, in, in England, uh, the apprenticeship levy in England, you know, we are struggling to, to fill those gaps. And, you know, I'm not saying apprenticeships are a panacea by any stretch of the imagination, um, but they certainly, you know, are a solution to a lot of, uh, of industry's problems at the moment. It's interesting. I was looking up the stats on FE Week. For those that you don't know, as a, a news publisher in, in further education, um, and they had published the stats just this morning, actually, on uh, how employers review apprenticeship training providers, and the majority are rated good and or excellent. Mm. Um, so it's not necessarily the quality of the provision out there that stops companies using their levy. You know, I think I think what to hark back to what you said earlier, it's just maybe this kind of unknown and certainly when i've been asked for referrals it often comes out of the finance department you know the fd doesn't know what to do with it so so they haven't touched it yeah you know there's got to be organizations out there that i remember speaking to an organization once who went oh so what so we don't use the levy big deal who cares you know it was really that you go well (laughs) i mean how blase can you be? And fair enough, you know, nobody's holding, you know, your hands over the the, the fire to use it. And um, it seems the, the 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 right thing to do. It you know, and it's it's a no brainer in, in in so many ways. And am I right in saying that the levy, if not used, is reabsorbed into the economy? I don't know. I know that for you have it for two years, and again, this changes. So I need to be. Um, I've got my facts right. But if you haven't used it after two years, it, you just keep losing it month on month on month. So there's lots of money that goes into this pot. And, um, you know, there's lots of, you know, they don't even, uh, organisations don't know about co-funding. Whereas if, if you don't want to use your levy, you can help out your small businesses that are really struggling to mm. attract people or struggling to recruit people. There's a certain area in the UK, I'll say in the Southwest, and there's a particularly prominent employer based there. And smaller businesses really struggle because it's there. It's almost like a magnet towards their organisation, and they get the best talent, and they don't necessarily have any issues recruiting. And, and smaller organisations really struggle to compete with that. And, and again, I think you know if you're not going to use your apprenticeship levy, or you don't want to use your apprenticeship levy, do some co-investment with some organisations, and mm-hmm. you know. Give give them the money that's basically just sitting in a pot. I'm sure it's going to be put somewhere. It's not going anywhere. And um, that's three billion. And um, mm. but you know the worrying thing potentially is you know how long will the apprenticeship levy go on for if people aren't you know you've only got a, a, a small percentage of businesses and um, actually using it levy. I think yeah. I mean I I, I think you just shared the statistics earlier on. It's quite scary the amount of. Mm levy paying customers that aren't using it maybe because they don't know maybe because you know to, to quote that other client i just don't care <laughs> yeah well actually i just checked there's over 3.3 billion has been returned to the treasury in the last three years i'm all right with my stats today alex <laughs> i know i just i feel like a producer um but i always find it funny i guess that the government is disincentivized in in one way you know, to enable organisations to spend it. I know there's a, a whole rebrand of apprenticeships being done a couple of years ago and everything, but I guess if it's returning back to the Treasury, that's probably a good thing for the government, right? It's a shame it doesn't go back yes. to young people, though, or something, you know, go back into education, you know, if it just gets absorbed and it's paying for, for refits in people's flats, joke, 
um, then that's not good. But if, if you if you knew that was going back into colleges or, or, or you know trades or whatever, that then you'd be you wouldn't it wouldn't matter so much, would it? I think yeah, it's um, the government do very little to promote apprenticeships. So everyone does. We all know. It, I think it was the 6th of February that LinkedIn was going to be blown up by every single apprenticeship training provider going, it's National Apprenticeship Week, let's bang the apprenticeship drum. Um, and, you know, there was there's some input from, from the government, but they really, I was watching something oh, late last year, they were talking about education and universities and student loans. And they hardly mentioned apprenticeships at all. And I'm like, this is your incentive. This is the government's incentive. And the present government's incentive, it was George Osborne that brought it in. And you've got these billions of pounds sitting there and you're not pushing it. You're not promoting apprentices or apprenticeships as as much as you should. Um, And again, is that, you know, you've got to look at, you know, the reasons why they are schools and schools are another they're getting better but again really and truly it's you you know for years apprenticeships haven't been on the agenda at all and we um work with a a a school um and they they really they've got an employee and careers manager within the school and they have apprenticeship days and they really are, are really pushing apprenticeships because maybe they think that you know to go back to your point alex the the the, the face of education and um, and further education is changing and actually you'll start to see a bit of a flip where people aren't going to university because you, you know the fear of student debt is real and the and, and the current um, economic climate the way it is for for a lot of households is 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 pretty scary yeah i mean i i'm still of the, the with my two you know i'm still of the thought that well you said it earlier paul yes you still need a degree i know it's, it's i don't really agree with it i do think there's a life mm. lesson to learn um but that change that kind of cultural change within organizations and society at large You've mentioned again there that it does need a bit of work. It needs a bit of engagement from big employers with schools. And and I have seen that work really well. You know, again, working mm-hmm. with a big car manufacturer that, that would have all kinds of school days and, you know, seven-year-olds in doing certain activities. And then they'd pitch it for teenagers doing other more complicated stuff. And I thought uh, it struck me as a really good way to engage the community. But is that not where the money should be spent? You know, you're saying that apprenticeships aren't even promoted. But that that levy money could be some of that levy money that's being returned could be could be used for things like workshops and and getting people really understand young people and their and more importantly I guess their parents understanding more about the world of apprenticeships where the opportunities are when they're a good thing surely that's yeah. the answer there you go I hope someone's written that down and <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But again, there's a lot of good out there. You know, this is, you, you know, there are, there's a lot of companies and lots of schools and lots of L&D professionals and leads that are, do a fantastic job. Um, but overall, schools and business uh, could be doing so much, so much more. Clearly, there's £3.3 billion worth of levy just sitting there being wasted. And um, we work with some fantastic people. Um, that really champion the the, the apprenticeship cause in, in 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 all areas, 
Um, but yeah, so much more can be, be done. And it starts at education. You know, you're never too, you know, when you think about it, nobody really knows, do they? When you're, I wanted to be a pilot and I wanted to be a vet. And um, you never really know what you, what you want to do at that young age. But if you've got that idea of actually it's not just about going to university or not going to university. And um, there's that amazing piece in the middle, which is called an apprenticeship, that is a fantastic thing to do. And there's lots of lots of uh, amazing people out there that are brilliant in their careers that have, have done apprenticeships. So if people wanted a little bit more information, would they be all right to reach out to you anytime just for a little bit of orientation and things? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's from our point of view, it's, it's we'd never rush a customer. You know, when we're speaking to our businesses, our, our levy paying customers, we know from initial conversation to actually getting apprenticeships, apprentices in place. And there's that that's a nice process. Uh, it should be a, a, a thorough process and it's not going to happen overnight. It shouldn't happen overnight. Everybody's got to understand the importance from a from from a training provider. We're measured on our our, our achievement rates and our timely achievement rates. And, and so it's not just a matter of, you know, getting as many apprentices on programme as we possibly can. It, it, it goes further than that. So, again, it goes back to, you you know, what we, why we're different with organisations or how we, how we approach our organisations. And that is about getting under the skin of the business and understanding what they want and what they need, when they want it, how they want it to be delivered, et cetera. And... Um, so yeah, by all means, um, I'm I learn, and it's not as it's not as murky as 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 people think it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you can't end it with a soundbite like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, very very good, thank you. It really enjoyed that, and I think there's a, a lot of good great takeouts hopefully for people listening. And actually, before you go, then what if if I'm if I'm uh, an employer and I've been told to use some of that levy money. And, you know, explore the world of apprenticeships. How would I even go about that? What is involved? How would I come to you and what are you going to do for me? I think for me, it's understanding what you want out of the levy. So where, where are your areas that you, you need help in terms of whether it's recruitment, whether it's retention, whether it's boosting productivity and, and then looking at what those results look like. So, you know, if you're going to take on apprentices and you're going to go into an apprenticeship scheme and, internally and you're engaging with the provider what are the benefits where are you now where do you want to see your that your business or your department in a year's time and then three and five years time and um, it's really this is not a short fix we want businesses and um, this sound call you to fall in love with the premises to go back to that client we spoke about earlier on that started off with okay we'll give you one to actually you know we absolutely need to make sure we've got the right amount of apprentices in our business as well as we have with our graduates and in some cases slightly tipping in favour of apprentices um, and then just looking at what those programmes look like. Again I think it's really important that we remember the apprentice in all of this and um, as a provider but you know in terms of the client what does that programme look like because it's not a matter about one size fits all. Sometimes some organisations yep actually that's the standard that's great but others want a little bit more and we're able to we're able to do that we're able to offer that to to businesses and um, and then just looking at when and and when you want it rolled out and then recognizing that it's you know you've got support it's there's three people in the uh, in the kind of partnership if you like you've got your provider you've got your learner and then you've got your actual employer 
Um, so it's, the, it's that triangle of support um, for, for everybody that's really important. Um, and not to rush it. There's no, there, there, there's no time. It's got to be, it's got to be right. That's a better soundbite to to end on for sure. Now we get back to our um, off air gossiping about um, Enrique Iglesias and Pink. <laughs> <laughs>